Revenging Hour with Jason and John. Hey, everybody. <laughs> I will not. <laughs> thought I'd try something different. I will admit that you surprised me that time. Avengers Assemble. I'm not sure if we're a, if we're a morning shock jock team. <laughs> I don't have or, the sound effects. I need to bring a kazoo or something with me. Or if we're some sort of like 1980s Saturday morning cartoon. Like just when the... When was it? No, we'd probably have a more jaunty theme song then. When was it that the cartoons were going... When they were getting away from cartoons on Saturday mornings and everything was becoming live action? With like Saved by the Bell and all that? Yeah, yeah, so we would be like the live action people that were introducing the Avengers uh, cartoons. Nice, yeah. <laughs> did you ever play the Avengers arcade game? In I the arcade? did. Who, who do you think I was all the time? Hawkeye. Yeah, I was always Hawkeye. That was the worst game because it was like it was translated badly from Japanese. Sure. They had things that they said that were so not English. Wait, for which one are we talking about? Are we talking about the one where you, like the side-scroller? Yeah. Okay, all right. You could play, I think it was four-player, right? <laughs> yeah. But you could call, you had a couple of Avengers that you couldn't play, but you could call them and they would, and Wonder Man was Yeah, you pressed like a special button. I don't know room. what Wonder Man brought you. I don't know, like a tea, an iced tea or something. <laughs> and you'd be like, I'd catch them and be like, thanks, Wonder Man. I really don't remember much of that game. It was like the Marvel superheroes version of Gauntlet. Both <laughs> <laughs> needs food, badly. Young Archer is about to die. <laughs> I was also a there was also a fighting Avengers game. I did not play that. I think it was like one of those Capcom games. It yeah. might have been like Street Fighter versus Avengers or something, but I played as Hawkeye in that one too. Anything you want to say before we get started? We do want to do a question? Are we doing a question? Hey, let's do a question. So it's been a crazy week for me at work this week. Crazy. Crazy busy. So it got me to thinking, Jason, in your office at Avengers Incorporated. What Avenger do you want as an office mate? Someone that you have to work with every day. To what end? What are we What are we looking for here? Someone who's going to be like a good team player or somebody well, that's who's going to you. entertain you? Because it seems like cause it's someone who is working with you you, got, you, you, you two people will be working on the same projects together. Because that's what makes it. Because it, at first it seems easy. Like my first thought was, I want Quicksilver because I want someone that can get all this work done really quickly. And then I realized... But he's a jerk face. Oh, a huge jerk, yeah. I don't want to share in my head too. I don't want to share an office with this guy. The wasp would be fun to share an office with, but would anything get done? Probably not. I'm going to go with the equal opportunity answer and say Black Panther. Well, I don't think he'd be a lot of fun, do you? I, I'm not looking for fun. You just want to get fun, the work I, done. I, yeah, I, I wanted fun. I'd pick Hercules, but then I'd be annoyed within 10 minutes. I forget that you feel work is just where one goes to work, work, and that's it. Yeah, I just like to get it over with so I can goof off on the internet for six hours out of my seven and a half hour shift. Yeah, you don't talk to anybody at work. I don't. You don't interact. No, I put my headphones on and just get my job done. Yeah. I mean, I can get behind that to an extent, but I would like someone that I could actually like hang out with a le- at least a little bit. So who are you picking? Pim? No, no. I don't, you don't want Pim because you don't want an unstable office mate. That would be horrible. You don't want your trash can to suddenly try to kill you. Also, you don't, <laughs> also, you don't want to be like, hey, how's it going this morning, Hank? My name's John now. Oh. Really? You know. Is that a wig you're wearing? <laughs> I killed Hank. I'm doing his job now. Oh, man, not again. So, no, I don't think you want Hank Pym. You know, maybe Jarvis. <laughs> can I pick? Can I keep everything organized for right? you? Yeah. Bring you your tea when you need it? Yeah. Even if I'm not his boss, he'll probably still act like I am his boss. As long as I don't bully him or push his mom down and steal her eggs, I think we get along great. <laughs> anyway. Previously on the Avenging Hour, the Yellow Claw tried to take over the world by spraying a sterilizing mist from a hand-shaped rocket ship. I think there was something in there about a bunch of brides and sons and genetic material, too. It was kind of icky. And now, episode 91. 91. We have three issues, which is a good thing we didn't waste time up top. No. Uh, nonsense. No. But none of them matter. <laughs> so None of this ever matters. Hey. Thanks for listening, everybody. 
Issue 206, April 1981, written by Bill Mantlow, with art by Gene Colan. It's going to be a gem. (laughs) This one is called Fire in the Streets! Exclamation point. Our story opens with an extended narration about an industrial saboteur. Happy with his job, loving the freedom he has, working nights, high rate of pay, limited competition, only to find out he's been labeled expendable due to the paranoia of his bosses. And boom goes the dynamite. Or, in this case, a thermite bomb at a chemical storage facility. Meanwhile, at Avengers Mansion... Beast is listening to some Chopin on the radio when reports of a massive chemical fire just outside Jersey City interrupt the broadcast. The fire is so dangerous, apparently, that the Human Torch has shown up to fight fire with fire. But even Johnny Storm is powerless against the intense heat, strength, intensity of the blaze. It seems like this is a job for the Avengers. Beast pops into the meeting room where everyone is having coffee and donuts and turns on the modular broadcast monitor so his teammates can see the conflagration. Did I also mention that Beast is randomly speaking phrases in various foreign languages? Because it's really annoying. Anyway, the team decides the fire is worth their time. Wonder Man points out that the FF is already on the scene, but Iron Man corrects him with a little dig at Marvel's first family, stating only the torch is there, and he failed. Clearly, the Avengers and all their villain-enabling powers are needed. As they fly over the fire, Vision points out that should the flames reach the liquid natural gas, the resultant explosion would rival our most powerful nuclear weapons. For an advanced intelligent machine, he's pretty stupid. But Captain America continues the fake news aboard the Quinjet by surmising that all of New Jersey will cease to be if that place explodes. Come on now, I thought he was the sensible one. Our three flying heroes, Iron Man, Wonder Man, and Vision, swoop down to check out the Bigly Bonfire, only to be attacked by a Tower of Flames. Vision goes intangible and Iron Man activates his cooling circuits, but Wonder Man's jacket catches fire and Iron Man insists, rather forcefully, that 1D take a backseat for this adventure. Also, the sudden burst wreaks havoc on the Quinjet's controls, and Captain America can only bring it in for a safe landing with the help of Human Torch. As Iron Man and Vision venture into the Wall of Fire, the rest of the team, except Wasp for no reason, suits up in some snazzy gear. When Human Torch incredulously insists that the team is not going into the Inferno, Captain America says, Someone has to, and these firefighting suits made of super-dense asbestos molecules should enable us to live long enough. Sure, Cap, and then you'll all die from mesothelioma. A few steps into the fire, the team realizes that it's pretty darn hot in here. Vision comes floating out of the smoke to tell them all that he's cool as a ghost and all, but Iron Man has run into a bit of trouble. The team strides forward to find their titanium teammate unbelievably encased in a block of ice after his cooling units drained his power to protect him. That's stupid and makes no sense, and I hate it. A few steps further, Beast finds the source of the blaze. Apparently, in his fiery free time, the saboteur decided to call himself Pyron, the Thermal Man. Captain America doesn't like the tone of his voice, so he slings his shield at him. The villain snatches it up and starts to melt it with his bare hands. Clearly, no one is getting close enough to punch this guy in the face, so Jocasta zaps him with her eye beams. Unfortunately, she has to shatter her protective face shield to do this, and the sudden influx of heat starts to melt her, too. I think it may be time to retreat. Wonder Man grabs Jocasta and tucks Tail out of there while Beast, Cap, and Scarlet Witch continue the fight. Wanda uses her hex power to cause water jets to burst from the concrete, but Pyron somehow transmutes elements and changes the water to fire, trapping the team. Thanks a lot, Wanda. Back outside the fire, Wonder Man confronts the owner of the property in an attempt to make his plot relevant, but we're quickly distracted by Human Torch who notices Wasp is missing. Our miniature missus has donned a discarded fire suit and stomped into the inferno, clutching a flame-retarding foam pellet in her hand. When she reaches Pyron, she shrinks out of the protective garb and flies right up to his face, 
Despite the intense heat shutting down Iron Man, catching Wonder Man on fire, melting Cap's nigh invulnerable shield, and melting the adamantine Jocasta, to say this is stupid would be insulting to the word. Miraculously, the foam pellet snuffs Pyron, and the world, or at least New Jersey, is saved. The end. Roll call. Our team is Beast, Vision, Scarlet Witch, Wonder Man, Iron Man, Jocasta Wasp, and Captain America. Human Torch tries to help, Jarvis carries a fire extinguisher, and our useless villain this month is Pyron the Thermal Man, who we will never see again. No, we will not. I noticed on the on the credits page, everyone has nicknames again. Like back in the old days when they used to say, Smiling Stan Lee and Jack King mm. Kirby and... What's, what's the best one? Jocular Jim Novak, the letterer. Gentleman, I mean, Gentleman Gene Colon is one that Stan Lee actually used way back in the day. How come everyone else gets like a an adjective and Gene Colon just gets gentleman? That's a noun. I think you should write in. <laughs> I'm going to complain. I don't know if this is... Does that say slutty Jim Salakrup? <laughs> John T. <laughs> but it would be wonderful if it was the other. I think that uh, people... I'm assuming that this is Jim Shooter or Jim Salakup's way of trying to make us think that this, these comics are fun again. <laughs> it's a shame. They're wrong. They were trying right up front to set the scene. Stanley had an excuse for doing that in the 60s. It was the 60s and he was writing eight books a month. You mentioned the Beast, this issue, all of a sudden talking in a gazillion languages. Ugh. We get that the Beast is smart. I wouldn't have a problem with this, except it's possible Bill Manlow was trying to set a personality trait for the Beast, but it kind of comes out of nowhere and then it disappears after this issue. And it's not really a personality trait that anyone would want to read about. No, everyone would drive him crazy. Plus, here's the other thing. Whenever he gets excited, he ejaculates, so to speak, <laughs> in a foreign language. And I think it would be the opposite. Whereas if I'm an English speaker and I'm speaking Spanish because I'm in Spain fighting a Spain fire monster. If something crazy happened to you, you're going to I would be like, like, holy, right, in English. Quickly. Yeah. You're not going to think about some phrase in another Exactly. Language. I, didn't someone point out at some point in this issue, uh, asking him if his his teammates on the X-Men got tired of him talking like that? They surely do. <laughs> yeah, because he never did. It's nice to see the Human Torch, uh, since it is a fire-based villain, but he's completely pointless. He is. He's I mean, to. completely pointless in this issue. There's no reason to bring him in. We are told that the flame is... <laughs> we're told the flame is 5,000 degrees Kelvin. Over. Over 5,000 degrees Kelvin. That's over 8,540 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah, yeah. Did you do the math on any of this? Did you? Oh, I did. Oh, go for it. If you want to put that in perspective, iron, Iron Man, I'm assuming his suit is made of iron. At least somewhat. Melts at 2,800 degrees Fahrenheit. So that's four times. This is almost uh, almost three times. Three and a half. Uh, titanium, a little bit stronger, melts at a little over 3,000 degrees. Platinum melts at a little over 3,200 degrees. And even carbon fiber, which is, you know, a new thing that they're making gear out of, melts at just over 6,300 degrees Fahrenheit. So everyone would have been dead getting anywhere close to this guy. Yeah, I, 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 this is one of those cases where I think Bill Mantlow suffered from Roy Thomas syndrome where he shouldn't have gotten specific. Yeah. He's, it's just hot. Everything is the greatest threat ever. Yeah, we get it. It's hot. It's hot. That's why it's so ridiculous that at the end, Wasp can just shun her suit and go right up to the guy's face. Yeah, she should have melted into sludge before she got... <laughs> she should have just... Two inches poof. away. Yeah. <laughs> when Wonder Man catches on fire... Well, Wonder Man doesn't catch on fire. Uh, Wonder Man's jacket catches on fire. Correct. Wonder Man is at least as tough as Iron Man's armor or the vision. His skin. Now, he might be naked fighting Pyron, but he should be fine. 
And for them to to shush it, shunt him to the side seemed. I wonder though, what is up with his skin? Is his skin tough? Yes. Like, would his skin melt? Would he just be a skeleton? That would be amazing. <laughs> the Wonder Man skeleton fighting him. I always wondered about that stuff. Like Wolverine. I, I mean, we've seen Wolverine lose some of his skin when he gets badly burned. It grows back quickly enough. But I was curious about people like that. The Vision says, I cannot do much more than observe in my intangible state, which is crazy. His intangible state is one of his more powerful states. He can, We've seen him not just face through people and disrupt them, but also shoot his solar jewel in that state. Now, maybe he figures that facing through him would be too hot for him, I'm ass- even intangible. I'm assuming that Jerry Conway didn't tell Bill Matlock <laughs> that the Vision could do that. It didn't seem like they knew what they were. This is the problem with someone coming in to write a story that hasn't been directly involved with the team for years. Yeah. Uh, you may, you said the same thing that I said, but basically super, des- super dense asbestos, I guess, makes for super dense cancer. Yeah. That's not going to turn out well for anybody. <laughs> My biggest question here, though, is, is this Pyron person supposed to be a better version of Inferno, the guy from the Pittsburgh steel plant? Well, that's a good question. Who didn't speak? Because at least Pyron talks to us. He's in, he's mildly more interesting, Pyron. Mildly, mildly. In the fact that we don't know anything else about him since he speaks. And you know, this type of origin for a bad guy probably wouldn't stand out so much as being stupid and something we've seen before, if it wasn't just a one-off villain. But it's just a one-off villain. And That's so, why I was so baffled the fact that he came up with a you know a code name for himself. I'm pretty sure his his saboteur name wasn't like Bill Pyron. It's not like he just used his last name and said, "Now I'm Pyron the Thermal Man." He was standing around burning to death and thinking, "I need a good catchphrase, maybe a name, something snappy." Well, he has. I mean, he figures he's going to kill the Avengers and go on to What's burn the world down. I don't really know. I have nothing else about this issue. Uh, I don't either. There is no bullpen bulletins. There are not. But there's a letters page. Sure. And what do we find out on the letters page? Well, according to a highlighted text box, Bill Mantlo seems to think he's taking over as regular writer as of, what's he say, issue 211? So that's only five months from now. (laughs) Spoiler alert, he isn't. He isn't, and why in the world would it take five months for him to take over as writer? The weird thing is, though, in response to some of these letters, he starts actually detailing his upcoming plans. But I have looked and looked and looked as to what happened, why Bill Mantlo didn't take over this book, and I cannot find it. I want to know why he had all these plans ahead of time. Like, clearly there was something... Clearly he was planning to take over the book. He had... So the question is, why didn't he? He talks about a storyline he wanted to do featuring Quicksilver and Crystal. Uh, He talks about forming a new champions team that will bump heads with the Avengers. And then there's some sort of secret change coming up for the Wasp. Yeah, I'd just be curious to know what all those things were. I would have been really curious to find out what that Quicksilver... Of all of those, well, no... I was going to say of all of those, I really was curious about the Quicksilver Crystal story, and I am. But I would love to have seen his idea for the new new champions. Right. And, and the Wasp, what did he want to do with yeah. her? Yeah. He says she, he's going to change her personality in ways that surprise even her. Well, what does that mean? Is he going to turn her into a real Wasp? No one would do that. That would just be dumb. <laughs> that would be silly. Uh, so, yeah, it's really odd. And we do find out here, we talk, no, I think we talked about it. We did talk when we talked about issue about the Ultron issues in 201 and 202. We did talk about that coming from the Jim Shooter novel, right? Yes. Okay. You know, I said, I, I think I remember saying I took notes on it, but I didn't write them down. I did write them down, but for some reason I put them with this issue. Oh, good. Like, 
you know, two episodes later. That's what happens when you read ahead. Uh, that's it. I don't have any other letters, comments, do you? No. MVP? Oh, wait, wait, wait. We have a statement of ownership this year, oh, or this oh, issue. right, right. The statement of ownership says the total circulation was 235,791 uh, on average for the past 12 months, which is down about 10,000. So not horrible, yeah, but probably. it's still going down. All right. MVP. Wasp? I think give it a wasp, yeah, man. Duh. Yeah, uh, useless character? Iron Man. First of all, how was Iron Man an ice cube in the middle of 8,500 degree Fahrenheit? Right. <laughs> uh, I gave it to Iron Man. He didn't do anything. Um, I picked Captain America because he needs to stop sh- throwing his shield at everything they fight. <laughs> Best quote. Taken out of context. The stick's gone dead. <laughs> I went with, you can still share in the companionship, Jocasta. Mm, kinky. Uh, Avengers level threat? No. Oh, I think he is. I mean, he's stupid, but theoretically, he's... I mean, he's... They threw a pellet at his face and stopped him. <laughs> Look. He didn't really think it out very well. He's burning at five gazillion degrees Fahrenheit. Kelvin. <laughs> well, that, yes, Kelvin. Five gazillion bazillion degrees Fahrenheit. <laughs> uh, he's going to blow up New Jersey. It could be the end of the world. <laughs> Final grade. What's Bon Jovi going to sing about? I give it a D. Just a straight D. I don't have any comment about it. I give it a C-. minus. Here's the thing. Compared to the two issues we're going to be talking about in just a minute, I don't hate this issue. I, I think Bill Mantler writes better fill-ins than Bob Budiansky does. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> that being said, uh, the, the and except for the Beast, I don't think the personalities are bad here, but the plot makes no sense. It makes no sense. It's, it is so one and done. It is like a really bad police procedural. But I'm sure the next two issues will be better as we move into issue number 207. This is from May of 1981. It is by Bob Budiansky and Danny Fingeroff, and it is drawn by Gene Colan. Let's really quick talk about Danny Fingeroff. We talked about Budiansky mm-hmm. a couple time. episodes episode ago. Danny Fingeroff um, is uh, one of those people that I can't find a birth year for him and don't care enough about to really search. Let's just say he started working in comics in the in the 70s, actually at Seaboard Comics, and then came to Marvel. He is best known as an editor. However, he had a decent run of Dazzler, and he created and wrote an, an entire Your Favorite 90s series after Sleepwalker from Bob Budiansky. What did he create and write? Darkhawk. Darkhawk. Uh, wow. So we've got both Darkhawk. Wait, what did, what did you say about his run on Dazzler? He had a pretty decent run. That's kind of an oxymoron, isn't it? <laughs> I should say decent he, run and Dazzler. I, I should say he wrote a fair amount of Dazzler <laughs> issues. Probably safer, yeah. Uh, he's also written books about comics and has done editing for various companies. Uh, he does some teaching, teaches comics writing at various universities. He is one of those writers that I find to be positively average. He has longevity. Yes, he does. All right, here we go. Wow, those credits. Two mediocre writers and an artist whose style I feel is completely wrong for this title. I feel like the robots on MST3K when they had to do Monos the Hand of Fate. I know this is going to be painful, but I'm contractually obligated to do it. I should just take a deep breath and do it. Dawn. A man we don't know thinks thoughts that make no sense in a place that is unrecognizable. This man and his city are phasing into the Earth dimension from the Shadow World, and he has to stop. The Unstoppable. But first, he's noticed by some aircraft carriers, and they are stoppable, so he stops them. People are digging something out of Mount Vesuvius. Then we're at a movie set, where Wonder Man is working as a stuntman. This is actually a great idea that I give these writers credit for. It makes perfect sense for him to use his abilities in that manner. Sadly, while he may be indestructible, he still can't act, even as a stuntman. Still, at least his buddy the Beast is around to lend encouragement. 
He also has the studio's PR person, Rachel Palmer, who likes Wonder Man, although he thinks she's just out for herself. When she follows Simon to his trailer to try to convince him that she likes him, she overhears Captain America calling the duo and asking them to find out about this mysterious city we saw. The rest of the team will head out from New York and meet the Beast and Wonder Man there. Those people at Mount Vesuvius have now dug up a corpse. Which moves. The Beast and Wonder Man arrive at the location of the city, only to find the aircraft carrier that had approached the city beached on an island. They land at the aircraft carrier and get the 411 from the crew, which is just that. When the carrier got close to the city, a huge wave swept it to this island. Nothing can get close without the winds and waves of the area interfering. Wonder Man and the Beast try to fly to the island, but City Dude blows them away. Literally. While they're reorienting themselves, they see a small boat heading toward the island, piloted by Rachel, who wants an exclusive story to cement her career. The avenging duo tries to stop her, but they see the boat destroyed by a water spout and assume she's killed. She isn't. City Dude has saved her and whisked her to him through the power of wind. Wonder Man heads to the island to get some payback, but is easily beaten by winds and waves and has to be saved by the rest of the team, recently arrived. But what of Rachel, a character we don't know and don't care about? Surely it would be wise to spend pages and pages of an Avengers comic and devote them to a discussion between her and a one-shot villain. I'm glad you think so, because City Dude is going to outline his history for Rachel and we get to watch. City Dude is actually called the Shadow Lord, and he's from an ancient tribe that existed thousands of years ago. They were advanced and peaceful and wore robes and learned to control the very elements. They wanted to keep the peace and balance of the world, and one day they discovered a being, immortal, who they feared would upset that balance with his attacking and violence and mayhem. Our peaceful elemental types tried to stop him a few times, and finally they made Vesuvius erupt when they knew this guy would be near it, burying him in lava. Yay! But so many other people died in the eruption. Boo! Aghast at what they did, the elemental elders declared that everyone would give up their powers and go live with the rest of humanity. Except for the Shadow Lord. He was chosen by Lot to guard against the return of their enemy, given the combined powers of the rest of his group, and sent him to some sort of shadowy limbo to wait. And wait. And wait. For two millennia. But now he senses his enemy is awakening, so here he is, ready to stand around in his city and do nothing. I mean, why go find the enemy before he awakens and deal with him then, when he can hang out and wait for the enemy to fully awaken? He does name the enemy, the Berserker, but then he launches into another story and even the book is bored, so we're switching scenes. Back to Vesuvius, where what appeared to be a flesh-type man before is now some sort of rock monster who's attacking the archaeologist who dug it up. Arg! Grrr! And now we're back with the Shadow Lord, who's being attacked by the Avengers. Rachel tries to stop the fight, but she'd have to yell or wave her arms or something, and that's a lot of work. So it's a fight between the Avengers and the Shadow Lord. The Shadow Lord is winning until the Beast figures out that hurting the city hurts the Shadow Lord. The Avengers set to work smashing everything in sight, and soon the Shadow Lord lies dying. The Avengers are confused, but what else is new? And the Shadow Lord is all, it's cool, you didn't know, and now you get to stop the Berserker. Peace out, and he dies. The Avengers are sad, but not as sad as me, because I have to read the second part of this nonsense next issue. To be continued. Roll Call is Wonder Man, Beast, Captain America, Iron Man, Vision, Scarlet Witch, and Wasp. We also see Jocasta, 
and Jarvis. I have no notes on this issue. And my notes are nothing but snark. It deserves nothing else. You know, Gene Colan did the artwork on the last issue, and I didn't think it was awful. Maybe because there was so much fire and shapes and things that it didn't really matter what the people look like. But the people in this issue look awful. Turn to the very last page and tell me that those people's faces aren't melting off. <laughs> what is wrong with everybody on that page? I yeah. think Gene Colan fell asleep trying to understand what was going on. Did you see all the text boxes? And the, who, who can blame him? Who talks that much? He actually extended that second panel there just so he could put more words into it. You know, I've said before that I don't think Gene Colan is a bad artist. And obviously he's not a bad artist. He's a good horror artist. But even when he's at his best, The Avengers is not the book for him. Nope. It just does not fit his style, or his style doesn't fit the book. And this issue, you're right, it's not even his best work. Uh, my only note relevant to the story, I guess, is that Wonder Man's PR person, this Rachel, she's an idiot. Agreed. That's that's my in-depth analysis. Half of this plot is world-building that makes absolutely no difference in the end. Yeah, we don't need to know it. There's so much work, sorry, there's so much work put into the Shadow Lord, <laughs> and then they kill him by the end of the issue. Yeah. And speaking of that, the Avengers are jerks. Uh, Another plot that could have been ended with some simple communication, but both sides refuse to do anything but make assumptions about each other. And what's really frustrating is you have a character who knows people on both sides. Right. Who doesn't stop it. Which is like, oh, this is bad. Yeah. Where'd I put my iced tea? (laughs) It made me think that we've had so many bad storylines. Like our last three episodes, Yellow Cost, I was, eh. Yeah. Most everything else has been horrible. Yeah. And I couldn't help but peek at the checklist that's in this issue to see what was going on in other titles, just to see if it was, like, something that happened in the 70s. Uh, Daredevil's fighting Bullseye and Kingpin at this same time. Captain America's facing off against the Hulk. Iron Man battles Blacklash. The X-Men are fighting Doctor Doom and Arcade. Oh, those are great issues. Even the Defenders are going toe-to-toe with Dracula. And yet... Oh, I love that issue. At the same time, we get Crawlers, Yellow Claw, Pyron, and the Shadow Lord. Yeah. All of which we will never see again. Again, as we've said in the last couple episodes, this is a bad time for the Avengers as a title. I don't have any other notes. There's no bullpen bulletins again. We just have a letters page. I don't have anything about specific letters. I'm just relieved to know that quite a few people agree with our assessment of the crawlers issue and think that it was horrible. Yeah. I will say that Mark Dunlap of St. Charles, Missouri proves himself to be one of history's greatest monsters by saying that the crawlers issue was too short. (laughs) Uh, I like the Chip Carter of Rolling, North Carolina, hated the crawlers issue, as he should. And he says the best thing about it is that the Wasp didn't change costumes, (laughs) which was a nice bit of snark. Uh, Frank Gruber of Palisades Park, New Jersey, writes an ode to Michelini. And we won't read it. And that's it. Remember when we used to read those things and I would get so angry at you? (laughs) Good times. We've learned. We've learned. Moved on. Who's your MVP? Uh, The Black Knight. He's a stone statue somewhere. He is in no way connected with this comic. Yes, I picked no one. Useless character? Beast. Agreed. I, it's, get off your perch, Birdman. <laughs> Avengers level threat. You don't have a quote? Oh, yeah, I forgot. I put my stuff down here in order. Yes, I do have a quote taken out of context. But don't you think you're coming down on Rachel a little too hard? I don't have one and wouldn't look through the issue again to find one. <laughs> I don't blame you. Uh, Avengers level threat? No. Um, who knows? What did he throw at them? Water spouts? Ooh. They Final. punched a building and the guy died. How oh, true. Final grade? <laughs> I gave it a D again. I me, I me as well. I am not happy. It's nonsense. Let's forget about this and move on. Oh, wait. This is still connected to the last one. Yes, it is. Issue 208, June of 1981. This one is by Bob Budiansky, Danny Fingeroth, and Gene Colan again. And it is called Eve of Destruction. I think there's monster trucks in this one. (laughs) I wish. So here we are. The Berserker is out berserking while the team does some finger pointing and refuses to take the blame for murdering the Shadow Lord. 
The team buries the poor sap and moves on to the city's pool of memories for a history lesson on the Berserker. After a three-page narration scene I refuse to read, the team is sufficiently <laughs> satisfied and flees the city as it sinks back into the ocean. Can we do that? Yeah. Okay. Why not? Check it's on the bylaws. It's our show. Meanwhile, at Avengers Mansion, Jarvis gets a telegram for Wonder Man, informing him he's been fired from that spaghetti western he was shooting. Back in the Quinjet, the team is trying to return Rachel to the film set when they fly over Italy and see the Berserker berserking. They land and attack, but the Berserker summons a flying chariot and traps the team in a swirl of unburning flames that are somehow absorbing all the oxygen without harming anything, and Vision and Jocasta can't zap their way out of it, and why don't they just fly above it? But hey... At least we learned that Iron Man can tear his armor with his bare hands and that he keeps emergency oxygen gizmos in those shoulder pieces. So Berserker snatches Rachel and escapes. He flies over St. Giovanna's Cathedral and smashes it. Then he lands in some ancient ruins that he claims Caesar built for him. He tells Rachel to slip into something more drape-like while he yells about stuff until the Avengers arrive. The team tries to fight the guy, but he has a bunch of fancy weapons and defenses that neutralize every team member. Eventually, Wonder Man rubs his two brain cells together and realizes that the goofy necklace the Shadow Lord gave to Rachel is actually a dimensional key. With the necklace around the Berserker's neck, Wonder Man manipulates it until the Berserker is pulled into a portal. For good measure, Wasp blasts the key as the Berserker fades away, preventing him from ever returning to our dimension. Thank goodness. The end. And I'm sorry this write-up is so brief, but I could not be bothered to document all of this story's stupidity. I think it was just the right line. Thanks. Our roll call is Vision, Beast, Captain America, Iron Man, Wonder Man, Jocasta, Scarlet Witch, and Wasp. Meriwether T. Fenowell delivers a telegram to Jarvis, and our villain is the Berserker. I just want to point out that in the last issue, the first time the people at Mount Vesuvius started to uncover the Berserker, he looked like a normal person. He was, like, covered in mud. He didn't have any armor or any weapons or anything like that. The next time we saw him again, he was some sort of mud monster. Right. The first page of this issue, he's back as a normal guy again. Completely clean, covered in gleaming armor. Yeah, I really... I, I'm i like, what, did Gene Colan need to get photo references from himself? <laughs> the Avengers, at the beginning of the issue, when they're finding out about the... Um, when they're, they're, they're standing around with the Shadow Lord, they basically are like, Oh man, I wish there was some way that we could have told that this guy, <laughs> who had never actually hurt anybody and hadn't actually outwardly attacked us, wasn't our enemy, and then we wouldn't have killed him. I'm like, really? I mean, the the only fighting that the Shadow Lord had done at that point in time was to move an aircraft carrier, and he moved it. When he, he when it's obvious with his powers, he could have destroyed it. He didn't. He moved it, set it down out of his way. So that should have been your first indication that he wasn't a killer, and yet the first thing you when you do when you see him is fight him. And they're not even really apologetic. They're just like, well, you know, it's our job. It's too bad we had to murder that guy to death. <laughs> it's just. <laughs> Oh, it makes them look so bad. So they're going about the task of burying this guy on an island that's going to sink down into the ocean anyway. They dig a hole. They put a, put him in a casket that I guess they made. <laughs> and, With their super carpentry skills. And then, and then Wasp engraves a tombstone using her wasp sting. I did not know it was that powerful. Yes. That she could carve rock. She can etch it. And how long did that take? And the Scarlet Witch... Fills in the hole with her hex power. Yes, I don't understand. She hexes the dirt back into the hole. Yeah, and, and I mean... Because Iron Man couldn't make a, a shovel, I guess. <laughs> also, when Wonder Man finally figures out this thing about this guy's necklace, he tries it first, and it doesn't work. And then he tries it again, and it does work, and Wonder Man says something about it having to do with sunrise and sunset. 
How did he know that? Sunrise. Sun- I don't know. Stop, run, tr- stop trying to look for logic in these comics. And at the very end, when they zap him away, as he's disappearing, Wasp zaps that key thing and explodes it. Because they think that that's not... That's going to stop him from coming back. What if it would have stopped the process? What if her destroying that key would, and the guy just would have popped back out of that void and then he would have gone on a rampage across the world? How did they know that that was going to work? I know you're just looking at me because you want to be done with this issue. I really do. I was so frustrated by the ending of this issue. It just seemed way too convenient. Like, this berserker guy and he's horrible and he's going to kill everybody. Oh, we'll just get rid of him. We have, like, what, three pages left? Yeah, we'll just get rid of him. Well, that, and that's what it is. They fight him for most of the issue and they can't hurt him. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, here's what we here's the Deus Ex Machina we needed, right? Bombardier's like, oh, great, we're running out of space. I will say that you you mentioned that Simon Williams gets gets fired, and it doesn't matter, and it doesn't matter. But it says, according to the telegram, uh, due to unexplained absence, did Simon not tell anyone where he was going? How hard would it have been to find someone on set and been like, oh, I have an Avengers emergency. I have to go. They may still have fired you, but if you just disappeared, I'd have fired you too, you jerk. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. You got a job. All right, I'm done. By the way, your PR person's fired too for stealing a boat (laughs) for no reason. Um, did you have anything else you want to talk about? No, I don't think so. There's no letters. There's no bullpen bulletins. MVP. Wonder Man. Thank, yes, and I thank him for finishing this part <laughs> up. Useless character? I gave it to Beast again. He seems to really be out of his league with these recent bad guys. I gave it to everybody else <laughs> on the team. Well, that includes Beast, so we agree. There you go. Best quote taken out of context. I don't think I actually had one. I did not have one. I have one. Okay. Leave the ladies alone, bright eyes, and give the bouncing Beast a chance. Final grade. Obviously, is this an Avengers level threat? I mean, theoretically, probably, but but don't make us don't make us assume that this guy could actually beat the team. Don't make us take him seriously. I gave it a C minus. <laughs> what? I gave it a C minus. That's better than last issue. I know, but it had like a fight scene. It actually had I me mean, something something I could see. I gave it a D minus. And and I'll tell you something. Wait, you think this was worse than the Shadow Lord? No, I don't. You know, here I honestly think I don't. Are you taking it as a whole story? Maybe I like, think it started the, out bad and got worse. <laughs> by the time I got to this issue, I had started stalking around the neighborhood, kicking puppies. <laughs> I wanted everyone I met dead. So I think the D minus is probably just my overall frustration in general. All right. Can we please bring this to an end? Yep. On our next episode, first it's Spider-Woman, Ms. Marvel, and the first appearance of Rogue. Then we muddle through scrolls, time travel, a weird kid, and a concentration camp thing that nobody wants to talk about. Sometimes I guess you have to take the good with the bad. It's actually better issues than these. <laughs> That's saying something. Thanks for listening, everybody. I feel like we should have some kind of like snazzy little outro music now. Bill, 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 bill. Thanks for listening to the Avenging Hour. Good night, everyone. We're getting, Oh, I gotta go through that spiel, huh? Yeah, not that you'll, not that you'll check to see if anyone's emailed us, but... If you want to get in touch with us, our email address is mail at avenginghour.com. You can find us on Facebook, and we have Twitter and Instagram accounts at Avenging Hour. That's it. All right. We love you. Thanks. Bye-bye.